<laughs> it wasn't just Trump. It's Trump was recruited. He was. There's good people. Okay, in, we're going too deep. Okay, dude. How about I went no, to that was. comic it, that, that was recruited. It's comics there's, pizza. There's a there's a plan. How do to, you know this for sure? Because uh, I'm, I'm into it every day, man. But just follow Q. Follow Q. Q is how do you know that they're right? Because everything that's happening right now, we knew about They've it two years it. ago. We knew about all this shit. Q is Trump and the people that, around him. It's there. It's a an intelligence uh, dissemination program. She won the primary, but it has since been taken down. In recent interviews, Perkins said she was, quote, bummed that her campaign consultants removed the clip. And now to breaking news, an engineer at the Port of Los Angeles is accused of trying to ram a train into the USNS Mercy at full speed. The feds say tonight he confessed and told them the ship is not here to help, but instead is part of a federal government plot to control our lives. The train derailed and ended up just a couple of hundred yards away from the U.S. Navy ship Mercy that was docked in the port of L.A. I need help. I think I have, I think I have the coronavirus. I'm scared too. I don't want you to hurt me. Help me. Chosen by Trump as the way this message was going to get out what Q was saying and I did a couple of decodes you know then I understood what was going on I was watching um, the, the press conferences with Donald Trump on TV okay. okay I felt like he was talking to me okay I felt like he was talking Hello. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. Thanks for joining me again. Today, as some of you may have already heard, this is a long-awaited episode that I've been planning for for a while, for a few months. It's something I 
go on other people's podcasts actually to talk about pretty often. I've been going on Porkins Policy Radio to give a regular Q update, or I was doing that before Pierce Redmond of Porkins Policy Radio went on his break. I just went on the Opperman Report to discuss QAnon. I have gone on other people's podcasts as well. I'm trying to remember what other... Oh, I also discussed the subject actually recently with DJ Doug Pound and Brent Weibach on the Poundcast because they really were curious about it. So I had a lot of fun breaking it down on there. But during all this, it just sort of inspired me to like actually just break it all down for you guys on the podcast and also sort of offer up my own theories and my own research about Q and what I've discovered about it and how some of my views on Q may differ from you know, some of the other people who analyze Q. There's a great podcast called Q Anonymous. While politically speaking, um, I don't fully align with like, the people who do it, but I think in general their an- analysis and their research is really, really good. And they're one of the only groups that are covering this on a regular basis and are constantly putting out content and updating people on what it's all about. So check out that podcast too. After you've listened to this, I recommend checking out that podcast if you're further interested in the subject. Now, in a nutshell, from my understanding, this is what Q, the QAnon narrative essentially is. The QAnon narrative is a very, very popular, pretty much mainstream conspiracy theory right now. And I normally hate that term conspiracy theory. I'm not, I don't usually use it as a disparaging term. I'm just calling, it is a conspiracy theory. I don't really know how else to describe it. But this conspiracy theory has attracted the attention of millions of people all across the world. It is not just an American conspiracy theory. It has gone global. And in a nutshell, what the narrative is, is that Donald Trump is here as president to stop the deep state, this deep state cabal that has taken over the country, And he's here to correct things and set America back on course. And to do so, he needs to essentially expose and take down a group of elite, satanic, deep state child sex traffickers, and also people who are interested in taking down the United States. So it's a mixture of Donald Trump is here to save us from the deep state who's here to take down the United States, and also elites who engage in child sex trafficking and pedophilia and a mixture of the two, and also oligarchs like George Soros and others who are also trying to take down Trump. Now, the QAnon narrative extends much further than that and also implies that Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, all these Clinton loyalists and prominent Democrats, and even some sort of blue dog uh, Republicans who've gone against Trump are going to be exposed eventually and taken down by the Justice Department in a giant roundup, and all these people are going to basically be frog-marched, to use Tucker Carlson's words, into Guantanamo Bay. And that's essentially the narrative, that, that there's going to be this big unveiling that Trump is going to announce someday, or the Justice Department is going to announce someday, that all these people, including Hillary Clinton, are going to be actually locked up in jail for engaging in child sex trafficking or corruption with the Clinton Foundation or a mixture of the two. Now, that's actually a really boiled down version of the QAnon narrative. There are so many more aspects to it, 
And QAnon believers since the original iteration of that narrative now believe such crazy things that it's pretty much impossible to cover all the different things that QAnon believers believe and that QAnon has put out as an individual or as a group of people, whoever is posting as QAnon in terms of what narratives they're putting out as well. Because there's a difference between the things that this poster known as QAnon will put out and that the, what the followers will actually believe. So first, let me back up. That's what the QAnon narrative is. Now, who is QAnon? Is QAnon a person? Is it an individual? Is it a group? Why, how are people getting this information? Um, how is this information being distributed? Where does it come from? Well, it comes from the internet forum 4chan. And essentially, it's a person or group of people posing as someone with high-level security clearance, Q-level clearance, which is apparently the highest level of security clearance in the United States government. And this person is leaving a trail of breadcrumbs, and that's how they themselves have described it, to lead people in the direction to help basically create an army of patriots and to wake people up to help Trump fight the deep state and to bring upon the storm. You may ask, how did this person get any, gain any credibility if it's just an anonymous person on 4chan like all the accounts are? Well, I'm going to explain to you later into the podcast how this person gained credibility or how this group of people gained credibility using this anonymous 4chan account called Q and claiming to be a government insider close to Trump. Now, up front, I will say that the QAnon narrative, to me, is false. I don't subscribe to it. I think it's bullshit. I think it's basically designed, by design, manufactured to absolve Trump of everything and to interpret every weird mistake he makes or everything he does in some sort of special way, um, coded way, uh, that he's actually doing good things. So, um, you know, while he's doing all these things to seemingly fuck up and make all these mistakes, in the background, QAnon will keep telling people to pay attention to all these secret sealed indictments that I guess the Justice Department has something like over 3,000 sealed indictments ready to go, which, according to QAnon followers, is a huge unprecedented thing which has never happened before. And to them, that's basically proof that Hillary Clinton and all these other people have already been indicted with these sealed indictments and they're going to be unsealed eventually and everybody's going to go down. What I believe QAnon is or what I think of it Throughout this podcast, I'll be giving you my opinions on it and how I interpret it. And I actually don't believe that all of it is completely a LARP, meaning a live action role play. That's something that, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the smarter people who analyze this think that it's a completely a LARP, that it's made up by some pranksters leading all these crazy people who are essentially arguably have become mentally unstable. Uh, with carrot on a stick approach with all these breadcrumbs leading them down this weird path as a prank, as a LARP. My belief is that actually, even if it is a LARP, that something about it is actually connected to the Trump administration. And I know that's going to sound strange, but I believe whoever is doing this actually has some connection in some form to the Trump administration. Even if everything they're saying is false or half-truths, and the person is making most of it up. There's something about it that does appear to actually have some connection to the Trump campaign and people close to Trump. But I believe QAnon is telling lies 
and is actually trying to like dangerously divide the country and in some ways actually trying to create a civil war like scenario which if you think it's just a larp yeah that's crazy that some larper person could get all these people maybe riled up enough to think they may might be able to start a civil war but to me it's actually even scarier if you think about it in the sense that if this is something that trump is trying to manipulate or use to his advantage or that his administration is trying to use to his advantage or even intelligence agencies are trying to use to their advantage like the cia then it it really puts a whole new scary spin on this where it could be used to manipulate the public in some kind of sleeper cell activated brown shirt force essentially by someone inside the u.s government using conspiracy culture as a tool and as a means to basically essentially brainwash people into this cult to be activated and do whatever they're told for Donald Trump because he's eventually going to fight and take down all of the deep state. Now, one thing you often hear Q supporters say, and Q himself has said, because Q has a lot of his own rhetoric, the breadcrumbs follow the breadcrumbs, the storm is coming. One of the other things he often says is trust the plan. So that basically absolves Trump of anything. No matter what Trump does, if, as long as you trust the plan, things are going to be okay. Trust that Trump is going to take down the deep state and let go of all your fears that he's, you know, this, this, this strangeness with Epstein. Because on some level, that's actually Trump, um, you know, getting close to his, keeping his enemies close. That's a really interesting, fascinating thing about this is pretty much QAnon has convinced a ton of people that all Democrats are pedophiles. Now, we already know that Trump and Clinton went really deep with Epstein. We know that Trump probably has committed sexual assaults. We know that Trump has some bizarre, unfiltered nature where he talks about sex with really young women or even underage women or allusions to it. You know, what I think Q is, it could be a whole lot of different things. But one thing that comes up for me of what it could be is it could just be a way of you know, absolving Trump, not just politically, but even criminally um, in the minds of the American public, in the minds of his supporters, in terms of his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. But that's just a side note. I don't think that that's what it's mainly devised to do. But I keep going back to that idea because Pizzagate and the way that it was used also did create a lot of disinterest and lack of interest in people actually exploring Trump's connections to Epstein and um, sex with underage women, which is notable that Pizzagate and QAnon have largely taken the focus away from that. Even though the connections are undeniable, look at Whitney Webb's research, for example. We even know that Trump's ex-wife used to hang out with Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's underage sex recruiter, and pick up girls at high schools with her. So that's pretty much the intro to what I'm going to talk about today. So let's just get right the hell into it. Might as well. So we can't really talk about QAnon without going back to Pizzagate and, and covering Pizzagate a little bit. QAnon would not exist if it weren't for Pizzagate. You guys know what Pizzagate is about? Oh, I'd Are love you guys to hear it, Eddie. Pizzagate is real. Since Pizzagate began to blow up online. You are familiar with it? Pizzagate? Yes. No, but sounds yeah, you have no. Yes, yes. I'm in on Pizzagate. 
What is Pizzagate? Okay, Pizzagate is Pizzagate is a trap. Well, why aren't you still covering Pizzagate? This area is called Pizzagate. And you say there's a very simple explanation for that. Yeah, I'm very glad that you've had us on today. Clinton and Podesta have a series of smuggling tunnels that connect to the basement of this pizzeria. There's a guy who worked for Hillary Clinton's campaign. His name is Podesta. Former campaign manager John Podesta ran a child sex ring at a pizzeria. Please You're don't bring up Pizzagate. I just want to know what Pizzagate was. <laughs> Secret sex ring. You, you brought up Pizzagate. No, he brought up Pizzagate. Police say a 28-year-old gunman entered Comet Ping Pong and fired off an assault rifle. When this man walked into your restaurant with his gun, the shooter claims he was investigating the so-called Pizzagate story. Pizzagate story. Pizzagate. Pizzagate. So we can't talk about Pizzagate without talking about WikiLeaks. Since Pizzagate would not exist if it were not for the Podesta, John Podesta, and DNC email leaks, but specifically the John Podesta email leaks. So I'll just give you a little chronology so you guys remember in what order this actually happened. So for about a year leading up to the 2016 presidential election, if you're not familiar with Alex Jones and Roger Stone's relationship, um, Alex Jones in the past would have not have been the type of person to support Trump. Roger Stone somehow started like courting Alex Jones and appearing on his show constantly um, around the time Trump started campaigning. And it seemed like it seemed like Roger Stone was there essentially to steer Alex Jones's audience in the direction of being Trump supporters. And I would argue that one really pivotal way that Roger Stone did that is he insinuated to Alex Jones that Trump knew the truth about 9-11 and that Trump was actually going to reopen the 9-11 investigation if he became president. Now, as someone who used to listen to Alex Jones way back in the day in the early 2000s, and as someone who actually does think that there's a lot of unanswered questions about 9-11, and I do want a new investigation, I remember back then when Roger Stone did that on his show, realizing how big of a deal that was going to be for Trump and how many people that were going to like vote for Trump just based on that alone. So that was a really big deal like a year before the election. I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe Alex Jones is doing this and pushing this narrative when of course it's not true that Trump is some kind of 9-11 truther or is going to blow open the Bush administration's lies about 9-11. I mean, it's just seemed like a total fantasy. I mean, clearly at the time, but a lot of people, even in the nine 11 conspiracy scene, I remember buying into this. And I remember having arguments with people even a year before Trump became president about this. So it wasn't just Alex Jones from the conspiracy movement doing this. It was other people as well who started to shift towards a pro Trump direction and other, you know, nine 11 conspiracy people as well. So, you know, during the summer of 2016, it was a really tumultuous, chaotic time for the election. I mean, Debbie Wasserman Schultz steps down, you know, right after uh, WikiLeaks starts dropping the DNC emails. Uh, WikiLeaks started dropping the DNC email leaks on July 22nd, 2016. They dropped a second batch of them literally the day right before the election, November 6th, 2016. 
So their first drop of these emails was huge. It basically revealed that Bernie Sanders was being cheated in the election, that they were feeding questions to Hillary Clinton in advance to get one over Sanders. It revealed that they, the um, Democrats had a Pied Piper strategy where they wanted Donald Trump to actually win the primaries to beat out all the other candidates because they, they thought that they could just destroy Donald Trump, that he'd be such a bad candidate against the Democrats that they just absolutely obliterate him. So tons of stuff were, were revealed in there. The corruption of the Clinton Foundation was revealed in there. Chelsea Clinton emails talking about how she was alarmed about where the funds were going. So many things. I mean, I, you could do multiple podcasts on them, and there are people who did. I mean, Jordan Cheriton and some other researchers from the time were doing constant content covering all these leaks as they came out. The media was really reluctant to touch these leaks because it seemed like these could have a huge impact on the election, and it already seemed like they were in the early summer or mid-summer of 2016. We already started to get hints in the summer of Trump versus Clinton trying to bring up Bill Clinton's sexual assault history, like the idea that he's a rapist, um, which I, I actually think Bill Clinton probably is a rapist. He has a lot of victims that are very credible. Now, that was already being floated out there by like Roger Stone. Um, it was already being pushed by a lot of Trump's people. And it the rhetoric was already getting like much dirtier, more heated up than, you know, any other election that had a, I experienced in my lifetime. I mean, you guys all remember that if you lived through the election. It seemed like it hit a new low in terms of like tabloid stuff. You know, I don't know if that was an effective way to hit Clinton or not, but they kept going with it and it it continued to be a theme. The Clinton side of the equation was also trying to imply that Trump was like some kind of sexual deviant who also had a history of sexual assault, which I do believe Trump does. And now, like I already mentioned earlier, both men have a deep history with Jeffrey Epstein. So that puts an interesting spin on it because on one level you could see it as, well, they were going to go after each other maybe for the Epstein thing, but the Epstein thing hurts both of them. So why not just like scorched earth and go after each other for sexual assault. So the Access Hollywood tape of Trump saying, grab him by the pussy, that really crazy tape that seemed for a second like it was going to tank Trump's presidency. You know, I was dumb enough to think, wow, that's going to ruin his chances now. Um, this dropped on October 7, 2016. 30 minutes after that tape dropped on the news, it was from Access Hollywood. WikiLeaks, again, began publishing thousands of emails from John Podesta's Gmail account. And throughout October, WikiLeaks would release installments of these Podesta emails on a daily basis. And they kept releasing them pretty much until election day. I think maybe they even continued to release them after election day because there was like so many of them. I might be wrong on that, but... Now, whether there's some kind of actual backdoor connection that Roger Stone or Eric Prince had to WikiLeaks, I don't think that that's been proven but I do think that in this podcast, I'm going to reveal information which leads me to believe that WikiLeaks may have given early access to some of their email leaks to right-wing Trump supporters or figures in this scene who played an important role in this. Now, I'm a huge supporter of Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, and I think that Julian Assange should have his rights protected just like any other publisher or journalist should. I also don't think that the Russia... Uh, angle is true at all. I don't think Julian Assange participated in some kind of scheme to get Russian hacked emails to send and help the Trump campaign. I do think it's possible, however, that Julian Assange 
became too personally involved in wanting to destroy Hillary Clinton because of what he experienced in the Obama administration's attempts to prosecute him when he came onto the scene. I do believe that's a possibility. So on August 28, 2016, uh, another pivotal event happened. So I know I'm sort of skipping around in time a little bit, but I'm trying to go chronologically here. The New York Post reported that Anthony Weiner had engaged in sexting with another woman, including sending a picture of himself while lying in bed with his toddler son next to him, and he has like an erection, like a half chub in his underwear, lying next to his son. It's a very disturbing picture. I remember being really creeped out by it at the time. And keep in mind, this is, after, this is already like multiple years after Wiener was already outed the first time, accidentally posting a dick pic to Twitter. But a month later, the Daily Mail published an article claiming that Wiener had engaged in sexting with a 15-year-old. There was some speculation at the time that someone actually set Wiener up, that this 15-year-old was somehow a Republican operative. I remember hearing this. I mean, who knows what it actually was, but that regardless, Anthony Wiener actually did sext a 15-year-old girl. So on Wikipedia, it says, devices owned by Wiener and Huma Abedin were seized as part of this investigation into the incident. Now, this is what's really key here, is that emails pertinent to the ongoing Hillary Clinton email controversy were discovered on Anthony Weiner's laptop, prompting FBI Director James Comey to reopen the investigation late into the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Hillary Clinton has cited Comey's decision as one of the reasons why she lost the election to Donald Trump. This is another one of those weird things that flies in the face of that narrative that Comey was trying to actually get Hillary elected. That Comey was pulling strings to try to get Hillary Clinton in office. Comey actually kind of coyly sent this announcement to some Republicans in the Senate that he was reopening this investigation based on this Wiener raid right before the election. So was he trying to get Trump elected? Was he trying to get Clinton elected? What was actually happening here? Now, this is important, this idea that Hillary's emails may have been on Wiener's laptop. But what's more important here, and you'll actually find out, is this idea that Wiener wasn't just sexting with a 15-year-old girl, that he may have actually had emails on there, and that the 30,000 emails that Hillary had destroyed you know, from her State Department email account may have actually involved information about child sex trafficking and child pornography that involved the three of them, Anthony Weiner, Hillary Clinton, and Huma Abedin. Eric Prince actually is the one who seeded that narrative, which I'll explain to you in a second. Because that wasn't the original story. That wasn't, you know, it was just that Anthony Weiner was now being investigated by the NYPD. He's going to be charged. On October 10, 2016, Trump upped the ante with the sexual assault allegations that were going back and forth. And Trump appeared at a Clinton debate, you know, at a debate with uh, Hillary Clinton, with all of Clinton's alleged rape victims. And apparently these victims were put together by this alt-right agitator guy named Charles Johnson. That somehow he organized this. And Roger Stone was also involved in this. So Trump is really up in the ante in terms of having a little meeting press conference with all of Clinton's rape victims right before his debate with Hillary Clinton to try to psych her out. He also put Juanita Broderick, one of Bill Clinton's rape victims, in the, like one of the front rows of the debate 
to try to psych Hillary out. Now, already by this time, people were already believing they were seeing code in the John Podesta email leaks. Internet sleuths, researchers, Donald Trump fans in Reddit forums mostly were researching the code that they thought they were finding in John Podesta's emails. They believed they were seeing code in the form of words like pizza, cheese pizza, which I guess had already been known among 4chaners and internet you know, people because there's a lot of like 4chaners actually who are into child pornography, uh, who are pedophiles themselves, who already knew immediately that cheese pizza was actually a known code word for child pornography, CP. So, you know, as soon as these people, I guess, started seeing all these mentions of pizza and an email in particular about Obama ordering all this pizza, like thousands of dollars worth of pizza for a DNC fundraiser, Podesta talking about pizza all the time, a lot of mentions about pizza, it started to pique their curiosity about child pornography. That was already happening in the background. Now there was already supposed code the Podesta emails would talk about walnut sauce, pasta, dominoes, hot dogs. People thought that could be code as well, but it was sort of vague and people didn't really know where to go with it yet. Then the nuclear bomb drop of John Podesta trying to arrange or hire a Marina Abramovich, a flaky but very famous performance artist to do a quote-unquote spirit cooking performance at his home came out and was revealed in the Podesta emails. This spirit cooking ritual resembled what looked like some kind of paganistic, quasi-satanic ritual. Maria Abramovich is extremely famous for doing all different types of provocative, stupid rituals that celebrities are into, like Pamela Anderson, like Lady Gaga, like, like Jay-Z, like Beyonce. And she's become really famous in like the New York art scene and like the worldwide performance art scene. It was discovered in John Podesta's emails that there was uh, this spirit cooking thing that he wanted performed at his house by this performance artist, Maria Abramovich. Now, I know of no actual record of this story being picked up anywhere earlier than this. And by this, I mean a We Are Change story published by Cassandra Fairbanks on November 4th, 2016, called Spirit Cooking, the Most Disturbing Podesta Email Yet. It says, in perhaps the most disturbing WikiLeaks release to date, Tony Podesta, John Podesta's brother, is invited to a spirit cooking dinner with performance artist Maria Abramovich. Abramovich, 69, is fairly famous Serbian performance artist. While this seems like a completely normal, uninspiring email, look at what spirit cooking is changes things immediately. In the video, Abramovich is seen painting the recipe for these spirit dinners using what appears to be thickly congealed blood. The recipe read at one point, mix fresh breast milk with fresh sperm, drink on earthquake nights. So actually, now that I'm reading this article again, it's not as um, satanic panicky as I remembered. But what's interesting about the article is it's very insinuating that these performance artists, is, that this performance artist does things that are like very, very perverted. Marina Abramovich has done some perverted things, but so has Fairbanks. Fairbanks actually used to like be like a pinup model doing like BDSM pornography, which, you know, for someone who's done that, it is interesting that she knows exactly what this article will provoke in Trump fans. It'll provoke this idea that the Podestas must be engaged in some kind of perverted 
and or satanic activity. Now, the timing of the release of this story is important. Keep in mind, this is three days before the election. This had a huge impact. It wasn't just this story. It was WikiLeaks retweeting the story, the WikiLeaks official account, Infowars then repeating the story, and then it making it to the front page of Drudge on the same day. Also, Paul Joseph Watson from Infowars' interpretation of the story also went to the top of the page of Drudge on that same day. Paul Joseph Watson version was much more satanic panicky. And I don't think any of these people themselves, Fairbanks or Paul Joseph Watson or anybody in WikiLeaks is Christian, but they knew immediately that it would really send shockwaves through the evangelical sect of the Trump voting bloc, which it did. This was a double-fisted story that came out alongside of another story that Drudge posted on the same day from Breitbart News on November 4th, 2016. The subheadline is Blackwater founder and former Navy SEAL Eric Prince told Breitbart News Daily that one of his well-placed sources in the New York Police Department that the NYPD wanted to arrest additional people in the Anthony Weiner investigation, but received huge pushback from the Justice Department. So I'm going to read from you from this story. This is a very important story that I think these two people, alongside of WikiLeaks, honestly, helped plant the seeds for Pizzagate deliberately by helping push this narrative. So this is what the Breitbart story says. Prince claimed he had insider knowledge of the investigation that could help explain why FBI Director James Comey had to announce he was reopening the investigation into Clinton's email server last week. Because of Wienergate and the sexting scandal, the NYPD started investigating it. Through a subpoena, through a warrant, they searched his laptop and sure enough, found those 650,000 emails. They found way more stuff than just information pertaining to the inappropriate sexting the guy was doing, Prince claimed. They found State Department emails. They found a lot of other really damning criminal information, including money laundering, including the fact that Hillary went to this sex island with convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Bill Clinton went there more than 20 times. Hillary Clinton went there at least six times, he said. The amount of garbage they found in these emails of criminal activity by Hillary, her immediate circle, and even by the Democratic members of Congress was so disgusting they gave it to the FBI and they said, we're going to go public with this if you don't reopen the investigation and if you don't do the right thing with timely indictments. This basically clarified for people the spirit cooking thing and this clarified for people their already existing suspicions that somehow the Clintons and the Democrats were involved in a child sex trafficking ring. Because I need to jump backwards in time a little bit. In the background of all this already happening, where people were diving more into the Podesta and DNC emails and finding what they believed to be the source, the nexus point for the child sex trafficking ring, which was a pizza parlor known as Comet Ping Pong Pizza that did serve and deal with a lot of elite DC um, people and did a lot of fundraisers for DC elites. And actually was run and the business was owned by James Oliphantus, the ex-boyfriend of David Brock, a deep Clinton insider. Now, the irony of that is that David Brock is actually the same guy who was originally a Republican strategist, dirt digger, tabloid guy, rumor spreader, conspiracy monger guy, who originally in the 90s was there uh, working alongside Drudge Report to try to push all these anti-Clinton conspiracies about Vince Foster and about the Clinton body count. Now, David Brock's ex-boyfriend was in the spotlight as being potentially 
uh, in charge of this child sex trafficking ring at his pizza parlor. Now, at the same time, this interesting FBI document started making the rounds showing child pornography and child sex trafficking code and symbols. Now, people started believing that the Comet Ping Pong symbol was a code for child pornography based on this FBI document. So all this stuff was really exploding around right before the election. I mean, it was huge. It was creating huge shifts. I even heard from somebody in San Francisco that a lot of people, a lot of Mexican immigrants who lived in the Mission District of San Francisco that they heard from were all ready to vote for Hillary because of Trump's anti-Mexican and anti-immigrant rhetoric until they heard of the spirit cooking thing. And they were extremely concerned that Hillary Clinton's people were involved in satanic rituals. I heard this about some extremely hardcore Mexican Catholics who lived in the Mission District of San Francisco. That's totally anecdotal, but imagine the kind of impact it might have had on even people who were maybe on the fence, who were like Christian people who were on the fence about voting for Hillary or versus Trump. They're probably, I mean, granted, there probably weren't that many people around like that, but if Hillary Clinton is involved in satanic child sex trafficking, then that's a no-go completely. Nobody's on the fence anymore. No independent's going to vote for Hillary after that, who's religious or evangelical after that. So what Eric Prince was doing in that Breitbart radio appearance, if you didn't really catch that, is he was trying to insinuate that there was some kind of larger conspiracy that was piggybacking on already this existing Pizzagate thing that was building in the Reddit and the Donald Reddit subforum, 4chan. Eric Prince was trying to insinuate this larger conspiracy that involved child sex trafficking and child pornography of minors, and Prince kind of teased it out on the Breitbart radio show. Now, also keep in mind that the Assange insinuation that Seth Rich was the leaker and that he may have been killed by the Democratic Party or Hillary Clinton's people, that Clinton body count thing, was already also going on in the background too. But Assange wasn't the source of that theory. In actuality, the 4chan people, the Donald Reddit subforum, had already sort of created that theory on their own that Seth Rich was somehow killed by the DNC, and then he may have even been the leaker of these emails. Of course, the Democratic Party, CrowdStrike, and various Democrats and intelligence people were already saying that Russia had already been responsible for hacking these emails. Oddly, the Obama administration at this time was remaining relatively silent on it, and they weren't really, really committing to anything and giving Hillary Clinton's people anything, saying, yes, this is hacked, you know, these are Russian hacks. No, they were kind of like sitting on their hands and not really saying much, which actually probably angered Hillary. And we know actually now that it did from what we've heard of the postmortem is that Hillary was actually upset that Obama didn't do more about the Russian meddling, as she called it, didn't say more about it. So I know I've been going on for uh, almost 40 minutes now, and I haven't really even dove into QAnon yet, but I had to tell you all this background first because it's really important to understand what QAnon is and what it represents and how powerful it is. Because at this time, there were so many like leaks already, you know, damaging leaks. Even if you take aside and remove all the pedophilia conspiracies about Clinton and all the Pizzagate stuff, there were so many leaks about the Clintons that seemed like really damaging about the Clinton Foundation and what they were doing with the money and how corrupt this whole DNC Clinton relationship actually was. You know, even just in my mind, from an observer of this, from someone who was not, a, you know, a believer in Pizzagate, but just sort of looking at it from at the outside, I remember thinking that. 
if Hillary Clinton wins, the Republicans are going to immediately try to like impeach her or investigate her and the DNC based on these leaks. They're immediately going to do it if she wins, just to try to get leverage over, over her. Even if it doesn't work, there's so many damaging things in these leaks that they have like infinite ammunition for her whole presidency to use it against her. So I remember that thought crossed my mind that this is going to be really damaging for her. Everybody, keep in mind, you'll remember this, that everybody thought Trump was going to lose. I thought Trump was going to lose. I thought Hillary had it in the bag. I really did. So I thought that the more likely outcome was these leaks were going to be incredibly damaging to her, but that Trump was still going to lose. The fact that Trump actually won, I think, changed things dramatically because what it did was it kept all this energy momentum going where everybody was like, well, now that Trump's won, surely that Hillary Clinton's going to go down now because now that Trump's in control of the Justice Department, now that Hillary doesn't have the power, now that the Democrats aren't in power, all these things have been revealed, including, you know, we think that Hillary Clinton's involved in child sex trafficking, that Trump is going to do something about it and take her down now. That was sort of, I think, the belief. And all this energy really had nowhere to go. It was kind of like, you know, Flynn, Michael Flynn at the convention said, lock her up about Hillary Clinton. And that he was just talking about the 33 missing emails and the email scandal and the investigation. People already wanted to see Hillary go to jail. So there was already this aching that people had that they wanted something to happen. They wanted Pizzagate to do something. They wanted something to happen. They wanted James Elefantis. They wanted Comet Pizza to be figured out. They wanted people to go in there and investigate it and expose Comet Pizza to the world. This now infamous right-wing figure that Trump retweets, who's part of the OAN News Network, Jack Posobiec, he actually came onto the scene and became famous because he was one of the first people to go into Comet Pizza, film it, and act like there was all this creepy shit happening in there. He periscoped it. And that went viral on the internet. That's how he came onto the scene. One of Trump's favorite reporters came onto the scene by doing a periscope from inside Comet Pizza. So this energy was really intense. Like people really wanted to figure shit out. It eventually led to a gunman, an armed Pizzagate enthusiast, going into Comet Pizza and shooting at a door trying to find the basement of Comet Ping Pong. Now what Pizzagate did in a general sense is it created like what seemed to be an overwhelming explosion of independent conspiracy researchers following their own breadcrumbs through the Podesta emails through the different clues they were finding online. This sort of self-propelling, very energetic, conspiracy-researching enthusiast group had exploded on the internet. And it had nowhere to go and really nowhere to channel that energy after the election, once Trump won. It was sort of like, well, let's just, you know, sort of trust what Trump is going to do and see where this goes. You know, oh, Trump is prosecuting all these child sex traffickers. Look at all these signs that he's actually prosecuting more child sex traffickers. He is doing something about these pizza gators. You know, look at the, look at what's happening. So there's all these people trying to believe that Trump was somehow on some level going to go after like these so-called deep state Democrat pedophiles who are part of Pizzagate. They were really reaching. They were really looking for things. This is where QAnon comes in. This is, this is when QAnon steps in. QAnon filled the void. It filled the void. But let me go back just a little bit. The reason why I think 
those two articles released in tandem and both promoted by the Drudge Report on the same day are very, very important is because Cassandra Fairbanks and Eric Prince appear to have some kind of close relationship. Um, They appear to be in communication with each other on a regular basis. And Cassandra Fairbanks has now been revealed, had some kind of close relationship with Richard Grinnell, um, who's inside the Trump administration and would communicate with him all the time. And I guess that relationship got spoiled after the Assange indictment and some on some level or another. Now, to think that two primary people who helped plant the seeds for Pizzagate um, are both so close to Trump's people uh, is very, uh, to me, very revealing. Now, at the time, I remember thinking, this Breitbart report of Eric Prince talking about Hillary Clinton visiting Epstein Island, there's no proof of that. But everyone on the internet was sort of running around acting like they had built up this giant case. And I remember getting the distinct impression at the time that it felt like it was being artificially driven, that there were people involved in these little Reddit subforums or 4chan postings who were injecting information into them that was false. There was a very, very specific email or not email, I'm sorry, posting done by someone claiming to be from the NYPD on 4chan confirming everything Eric Prince said and basically saying it's much worse and that Pizzagate is real, that it's much worse. This was, I believe, an early iteration of QAnon. Or if it was someone, you know, someone else doing something like QAnon, it served the same purpose. It created the connective tissue to make people believe that the claims Eric Prince were saying was real, that perhaps that James Comey had to reopen this investigation about Hillary's emails because there's an actual potential that there's a child sex trafficking operation in here and that the email leaks from the DNC and Podesta emails just made it too obvious and now all these people are going to go down. So like I said, this is around the time that QAnon came in. And when I say QAnon, I actually don't even mean QAnon specifically yet. I mean the QAnon narrative because the QAnon narrative actually appeared about a year before the first official QAnon posting. It came via a popular guy in conspiracy theory culture who I believe is probably some kind of sheep-dipped spook or intelligence agent named Steve R. Pachenik. Um, Steve Pachenik is a former United States Department of State official. He's a former government psychiatrist. He worked in intelligence Um, He was a member of the Council on Foreign Relations until approximately 2012. He's also consulted with the RAND Corporation. Steve Pachenik was a popular guest on the Alex Jones show who really wasn't that big of a deal. You know, even though he would claim, I have all these inside connections, I know all these things that are going on on the inside because I used to be intelligence. He wasn't really a hot shot on the Alex Jones show. No one had really ever heard of him before. But when around the time where Pizzagate started to really hit, Alex Jones was definitely pushing the Pizzagate thing hard. Trump had already gone on the Alex Jones show. Steve Pachenik, a regular like a regular guest on the Alex Jones show, started to push the Pizzagate stuff hard and started to say that it was true and that he had inside sources that could confirm it's true. Gateway Pundit, another website, was also sort of echoing the same thing about Pizzagate, implying it was true. Roger Stone was also saying it was true. Jerome Corsi, another figure that was close to Alex Jones, was also saying it was true. 
This is before the election of Donald Trump. Now, I'm going back in time a little bit to early November. Steve Pachenik drops a mysterious video on November 1st. Keep in mind, November 1st is before spirit cooking and before the Breitbart radio show appearance with Eric Prince. And that Breitbart radio show Eric uh, appearance with Eric Prince is important, again, because it implies that Hillary Clinton was going to Epstein Island and that why she was going there. She was going there to have sex with children and not just like male children. It's also planting the seeds that she's like a homosexual pedophile that would rape young girls. And and then and it would sort of play into that idea that she was a lesbian already, that she would stay in hotels with Huma Abedin, that she had a secret relationship with her, that these people are perverts, that they're even now Satanist. But this Steve Pachenik video landed on November 1st on his own YouTube channel, which didn't really have that many subscribers at the time. And the video was remarkably posted on the Drudge Report, the front top of the page on Drudge Report. This video was titled, The Hillary Clinton Takeover of the United States. It accumulated up to 3 million views in under 24 hours after being posted to the front page of Drudge. A video immediately followed it, also posted by Steve Pachetic on his YouTube channel, that accumulated 1 million views that was posted only a few hours later. That video was titled, The Clinton Pedophilia Connection. And as you'll hear now in this clip, this is the early iteration of what became eventually the QAnon narrative. And that narrative is that a secret group of insider patriots, inside intelligence, inside the Pentagon, inside the army, recruited others to get together to fight a deep state cabal of globalists who are pro-Hillary Clinton who are going to finally destroy America with the election of Hillary Clinton. And they saw this as a coup against America. So therefore, these patriots were going to try to actually work with WikiLeaks. This is actually, but this is not the QAnon narrative necessarily, but this is the first iteration of it, that these patriots recruited WikiLeaks and Assange to help them fight the deep state and take out the Clinton cabal with a counter coup. And Steve Pachenik describes this as a civilian coup, as you will hear right now. On November 1, 2016, Hillary and Bill Clinton and their entourage of assistants affected a civilian coup. In contrast to the usual concept of a coup where the military is involved and takes over the White House and communication centers, very much like the scenarios you see in a movie, this coup was done silently and very effectively through two methods, corruption and co-optation. The Clintons had been involved in co-opting our White House, our judiciary, our CIA, our Federal Bureau of Investigation, our Attorney General Loretta Lynch, and our Director of the FBI, James Comey, for some time now. What they've done is to make sure that they were part and parcel of a group of people who were interrelated through political cronyism. However, in order to stop this coup, we in the intelligence community and others involved have informally gotten together and with their permission, I am beginning to announce that we've initiated a counter coup through Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. 
What has happened in effect when uh, Comey had to open up the case of Hillary Clinton and discuss the emails that were involved with the Anthony Weiner case, it was not the case itself that was as important as the fact that this was the entree for many of us in the counter coup to say to the administration, we have your number. Not only do we have your number, we're going to stop you from making Hillary the president of the United States. And at the same time, we will convict and indict the president of the United States, Loretta Lynch, and many others who were involved in the cover-up of the massive corruption that occurred under the Clinton Foundation. Now, in both cases, their coup was silent, and our counter-coup was silent, and it was all transgressed or occurred on the internet. And this is probably the first time in the history of any country where a coup was initiated on through the internet and a counter coup was initiated through the internet. I am just a small part of something far bigger than myself. It was the brave men and women who were in the FBI, the CIA, the director of intelligence, the uh, military intelligence, and men and women in 15 other intelligence organizations who were sick and tired of seeing this corruption in the White House, in the Justice Department, and in the intelligence system. And we decided that there was something we had to do in order to save the Republic. So we initiated a counter coup through Julian Assange, who's been very brave and, and really quite formidable in his, in his ability to come forth and provide all the necessary emails that we gave to him in order to undermine Hillary and Bill Clinton. Again, America, we're going through a major, major transition and quite frankly, a second American revolution. We do not have guns, we do not have weapons, we do not have, intend to kill anybody, we do not intend to harm anybody. But we, the American public, and those of us who serve as veterans and in the intelligence service like myself, will stop the Clintons from assuming power that they don't deserve. At the same time, we will make certain that Obama leaves without any trail of a, uh, a pardon or any other act of treason. In effect, we want a peaceful transition in this great American republic. I bring you this news and I want you to understand what has happened. A moment of history is occurring right now in front of us, and I'm proud to explain it to you. Now, I believe these three events, these three pieces of media, the Cassandra Fairbanks spirit cooking story, the Eric Prince Breitbart radio appearance, and this Steve Pachenik video, they were all posted to the front page of Drudge in a matter of days, had a nuclear bomb effect on the election. More so than any of the leaks themselves. Like, the leaks at face value, sure. It might have moved the needle a little bit on the votes. We don't know. I would absolutely guarantee that the idea that the Democrats and the Clintons, and Hillary Clinton specifically, was involved in child sex trafficking and Satanism specifically, the revelations of that, the belief that, of that that people held in the days leading up to the election, it did move the needle. I believe that it did. And I would wager that on some level, this is why part of what the Russia hysteria is about is the Democrats, on some level, maybe even some of these top Democrats know that it wasn't Russia, and maybe they just want to punish Trump's people 
for the Pizzagate thing because they think that they helped push it or that they were part of pushing it, which they were. But that's not even the tip of the iceberg in terms of Trump's people pushing not just Pizzagate, but QAnon. Michael Flynn and his son both pushed Pizzagate narratives on Twitter leading into the election. Three days before the election, Steve Pachenik posted a video called U.S. Takeover May Be Near, where he again emphasizes this narrative of a counter coup of patriots trying to fight the deep state uh, cabal from within by helping reveal this child sex trafficking and corruption. I've just talked to you about the ongoing coup and counter coup that is being initiated by the Clintons on the one hand and counter coup by the FBI, the New York Police Department and other branches of our intelligence community. The important part to remember is also that not all the information has come out with regards to Wiener and his sexting to a 15-year-old North Carolina teenager. The real issue underlying a lot of Bill Clinton's nefarious activities as well as Hillary Clinton's sexual activities is the fact that we know that both of them have been a major part and participant of what's called the Lolita Express, which is a plane owned by Mr. Jeff Epstein, a wealthy multimillionaire who flies down to the Bahamas and allows Bill Clinton and Hillary to engage in sex with minors. That is called pedophilia. And as a result of the excellent work that the New York Police Department does in tracking uh, pedophiliacs, they also have a record of both Hillary, Bill, and other people associated with the Clintons with regard to pedophilia. So not only will she be charged with obstruction of justice, with lying to a prosecutor in the FBI, she will also be charged with pedophilia, sex with minors, and other assordry issues. Bill might be brought up again on certain charges because those charges still relate to American crime and prosecutorial issues. But I do want to inform you that we are well aware in the intelligence community of their activities that hasn't stopped. And we're not talking about one trip to the Bahamas. We're talking about a multiple of 20 or 30 trips that Bill and Hillary did take separately and together to, on the Lolita Express to engage in sexual activities with minors. Now, I don't know what Steve Pachenik's actual deal is, if he's just a grifter or not, but I would wager that he was actually someone asked to do this by someone in the Trump campaign. Whether Roger Stone put him up to it, I don't know. But I don't think it's Alex Jones is doing. I think that this guy actually got some kind of instruction or encouragement from someone part of Trump's campaign. And the fact that Drudge Report would post this guy's video, well, he had never promoted this guy's stuff before, and he never seemed to care or give a shit who this guy was before, and then suddenly this video of this random guy goes to the top of Drudge, that's really significant. And that he gets 3 million views in 24 hours. Drudge really wanted this narrative to stick, whether Drudge believed it or not. I think he understood the power of it because it solidified this satanic panic, child sex trafficking thing. And then also encourage people 
that there was this secret force of patriots out there that we should believe in that are sort of helping Trump and that actually maybe even are behind Trump and that have Trump's back. So even if we are sort of disheartened by Trump's behavior sometimes, it doesn't matter because there's this secret group of patriots that's sort of in his pocket and that's really running the show. You know, obviously Trump won the election after this. According to Steve Pachenik's narrative, this counter coup was actually successful. It kind of died off. The energy, people had nowhere to go with this energy of like wanting to expose this deep state pedophile network that they thought existed, right? There was really nowhere they could take it. You know, these 4chan Reddit researchers, 8chan people were still researching things and still, you know, believing in this idea that the deep state was going to go down and that Trump was behind the scenes sort of secretly doing things to address it and that he was going to arrest Hillary Clinton still. There was this strong belief that that still was going to happen, but people were losing hope. There wasn't much evidence out there that it was actually going to happen. Now, how long could people believe in that without much proof, that, that, you know, without any movement in that area? Well, I'll tell you how. QAnon is how. So in late October 2017, almost a year after Trump won, there was someone going by the name of, or who people called or described as InfoDump Anon on 4chan. They were using a lot of insider intelligence jargon that sounded credible to people, which was essentially echoing the same narrative that, you know, Alex Jones, Jerome Corsi, Steve Pachenik were already saying around a year earlier. And I forgot to play you a clip, actually, where Alex Jones also explains to in an interview with George Norrie um, how he was recruited by this basically Q. Now, this is before Q, so Alex Jones is actually describing it without using that name, but he's essentially echoing the same narrative that Steve Pachenik says. And here, I'll play you the clip of Alex Jones saying how there was this cabal, you know, this deep state cabal that was being taken down by these insider high-level patriots, and Alex Jones was essentially recruited and so is Trump to be a part of this historical event. Donald Trump on your show prior to the election. How did you pull that off? All right, I never tell this on my own show, and this will probably end up being news tomorrow, but you deserve it. I, um, I know folks that are part of Delta Force, and I know people that are part of covert action uh, in the Defense Department and the CIA. And quite frankly, they've given me authorization to talk about this. I have never been in the CIA I've never been part of covert operations, but uh, I was basically contacted uh, by groups uh, inside special forces operations in Florida, inside breakaway groups inside the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, and uh, groups um, basically behind American industry that wanted to defeat the globalists and their plan to bankrupt America. And so they told me that they were advising Trump on the globalist takeover and that they understood from their demographics and their studies that we actually had conservatively 15 million people a week visiting Infowars.com and tens of millions watching our videos and that, uh, that they briefed the president, uh, or now then, then candidate Trump, and that uh, they wanted to attempt a counter coup against the globalists. But, but this is what got Donald Trump to say, I got to be on this guy's show? Donald Trump was advised by the, the Special Forces Command out of Florida. They said to, to go on your program. 
Uh, he, he, I mean, that's who actually, I mean, let's just say it, the enemy already knows all this. Let me just say, so everybody listening knows I'm telling the truth. Special Operations Command in Florida, the Delta Force, Army, Black Ops, it's Army's the oldest thing in America. It's before the Constitution, anything. They, they said, they said, sir, you need to go with Alex Jones, uh, and you need to rally the troops. And, uh, you know, and, and, and they briefed him, they showed him the documents, and they said, we need you to run. And, uh, you know, the Delta Force, uh, basically asked Trump, uh, Delta Force, you know, founded by General Boykin and Schumacher and, uh, People like C. Pachenik, Dr. C. Pachenik of Psychological Operations of the CIA. Now, the first official Q posting in late October 2017 really didn't catch much fire at first, but it actually made a pretty bold claim. It made the claim that people, you know, had wanted so badly when Trump got in office that Hillary Clinton was going to be arrested really soon that she was about to go down really, really soon, posted in a mundane thread on 4chan by someone saying, why are all the Fox anchors smiling? CNN, MSNBC, MS- CNN, MSNBC are freaking out like election night. And there was a tweet by Sean Hannity saying TikTok, implying that something big was about to happen. Now, the first official post by Q was a response to this original poster saying Hillary Clinton extradition already in motion effective yesterday with several countries in case of cross border run passport approved to be flagged effective 1030 at 1201 AM expect massive riots organized in defiance and others flee in the U.S. to occur. USMs will conduct the operation while NG activated. Proof check. Locate a National Guard member and ask if activated for duty 1030 across most major cities. So that was the first official post by the person later known as QAnon. He is basically saying that Hillary Clinton's about to be arrested and indicted and that the National Guard will be activated to stop riots to prevent her arrest, and that the way you can prove that what he's saying is true is ask any National Guard member and ask them if they're activated for duty 1030 across most major cities. Of course, this turned out not to be true. The National Guard was not activated in most major cities around this time. So maybe it didn't catch fire. You know, Maybe QAnon didn't catch fire very much at this time because... Nobody believed this posting from him around this time. The same user calling himself Q posted another reply in the same thread again saying sort of a cryptic poem almost. And there's a lot of line breaks in it. That's what's interesting about a lot of QAnon's posts. There's a lot of line breaks. Mockingbird. HRC detained. Not arrested yet. So every time I pause, I'm going to do a line break. Where is Huma? Follow Huma. This has nothing to do with Russia. Yet. Why does POTUS surround himself with generals? What is military intelligence? Why go around the three-letter agencies? What Supreme Court case allows for the use of MI versus Congressional Assembled and approved agencies? Who has ultimate authority over branches of military without approval conditions unless 90-plus in wartime conditions? What is the military code? 
Where is AW being held? Why? POTUS will not go on TV to address nation. POTUS must isolate himself to prevent negative optics. POTUS knew removing criminal rogue elements as a first step was essential to free and press pass legislation. Who has access to everything classified? Do you believe HRC, Soros, Obama, etc. have more power than Trump? Fantasy. Whoever controls the offices of the presidency controls this great land. They never believed for a moment they, Democrats and Republicans, would lose control. This is not an R versus D battle. Why did Soros donate all his money recently? Why would he place all his funds in an RC? Mockingbird, 10, 30, 17. God bless fellow patriots. At this time, neither of these postings caught much fire, like I was saying. They didn't, you know, they're very cryptic. They sound kind of rambling. You know, they sound like kind of an old guy. You know, 4chan and 8chan are more and more like really young, vulgar, kind of like alt-right crazy people, really. This sounds like some kind of like boomer guy, right? God bless fellow patriots. Um, You know, I wouldn't really be captivated by either, either of these posts if I had seen them. So the next day, Q posted on 4chan in, this, in a different thread. Open your eyes. It finally came out that Rod Bob were key players in the uranium scandal. Don't you think POTUS would be tweeting about removal given clear conflict? Why did POTUS meet Bob under the cover of FBI director interview? Bob is unable to serve as director per the law. Gowdy comments on Comey. History will. POTUS has everything. Not everyone is corrupt. Fewer than you think. Follow Huma. Operation Mockingbird. Priority to clean out the bad actors to unite people behind the America First agenda. Many in our government worship Satan. Not about Republicans versus Democrats at this stage. Where is HRC? Why is the National Guard called up across 12 cities? Trust in your president. God bless, patriots. Now, when he's saying Rod Bob, he means Bob Mueller. He's basically implying already, in only like his third or fourth posting, QAnon is saying that Bob Mueller is actually there to help Trump. That there's a secret plan, actually, where Bob Mueller is actually going to take down people involved in the uranium scandal. And this has nothing to do with Trump. Or that Trump's actually secretly going to be found innocent, that this is an investigation actually on Trump's enemies here. A few hours later, QAnon posted for maybe his fifth or sixth post ever. Some of us come here to drop crumbs, just crumbs. POTUS is 100% insulated. Any discussion suggesting he's even a target is false. POTUS will not be addressing nation on any of these issues as people begin to be indicted and must remain neutral for pure optical reasons. To suggest this is the plan is false and should be common sense. Focus on military intelligence, state secrets, and why might that be used versus any three-letter agency. Why SC decision open the door for a sitting president to activate? What must be showed? Why is POTUS surrounded by generals? Again, there are a lot more good people than bad, so have faith. This was a hostile takeover from an evil, corrupt network of players, not just Democrats. Don't fool yourself into thinking Obama, Soros, Roths, Clintons have more power present day than POTUS. Operation Mockingbird. Patriots are in control. Sit back 
and enjoy the show. So you're probably wondering to yourself right now, how could an anonymous poster on 4chan become a huge nationwide movement with hundreds of thousands of people, possibly just in the United States alone, and millions of people globally? How could these postings that I've just read to you create what actually is now QAnon, this giant movement of people? And it's not a group. It's not even really a movement. It's just a bunch of people who believe in this shifting narrative. And the narrative means different things to different people. Because a lot of people interpret these Q posts and make their own narratives from them and believe that there are breadcrumbs, as Q says, being dropped in these postings that lead to these other hints or clues that you're supposed to kind of figure out on your own. So, for example... Q started putting out vague postings after this train crashed um, that was carrying a bunch of Republican lawmakers, some of them pro-Trump. A train crashed, an Amtrak train crashed into a truck and killed one of the truck's passengers. Um, nobody was really injured. Any of these Republicans weren't injured. But QAnon insinuated that this was somehow part of the plan. This was somehow a planned event. Basically, Trump made this happen or basically saved that there was some kind of setup to basically cushion the train so that it wouldn't hurt the Republican lawmakers because Trump knew that the deep state was going to try to kill these Republican lawmakers who were loyal to him. That's what the QAnon supporters sort of spun out and off into their own narrative about. That's just one example I'm giving of how they interpret Q's postings. Now, this is when the Mueller investigation was already happening, keep in mind. So there was a lot of heat on Trump. You know, it was sort of like looked at as like maybe he'll get impeached over this. I'm not a believer in Russiagate. I think that the whole thing is a farce. I'm not a Donald Trump supporter at all. But at the time, I think a lot of people were desperate to try to figure out ways that Trump could get the upper hand out of this situation. And one of them was the QAnon narrative that the investigation was really just secretly actually going to be directed at Clinton and the deep state and that Trump was actually not the one being put under the spotlight in the investigation because Mueller was on Trump's side. Now, all this time, Alex Jones and, and Jerome Corsi on Infowars were starting to push the QAnon narrative as well and actually even saying things like that they were part of it, that they were somehow a part of Q and that they knew who Q was. Now, both of them obviously could have been completely making this up. They could have been fooled by some kind of con artist. Or, like I was saying earlier, this could be actual more evidence that Q or the QAnon postings on the internet, and that even Steve Pachenik, Eric Prince, Cassandra Fairbanks, all these people have some involvement in trying to create this narrative and that they've actually been instructed to do so or sort of led on a trail of their own breadcrumbs down a path to believe something about, you know, something happening inside the Trump administration that's really good, that there's these secret intelligence officials that have chosen them or these anti-deep state patriots that have chosen them to help take down the deep state. And I'm going to play you several clips now um, from a YouTube channel that put together a video of Alex Jones saying basically that he knows QAnon and that he's part of it that he thinks it's all real. Yeah, so here here are these clips. And I go, we know who QAnon is, and we play coy about that. 
but it's Army Intelligence and some groups in Florida and others. Real quick, I was uh, listening to Dr. Corfi last night and about all the stuff on 8chan and how uh, releasing, I mean, is that kind of like the, the uh, ace in the hole? You know, to get you know I've been told to by five different Pentagon sources, high level, that that, that whole 8chan thing is real and that they're basically forecasting what they'd like to see happen and giving you information. But so that's definitely real. And that's why Corsi's been, I'll let you know because the enemy knows, the White House directly asked Corsi to be on the HN beat a month ago. So, I mean, that's directly from the White House. Dr. Corsi is so smart. And then one other thing. Uh, but I mean, what does that say about, about QAnon? <laughs> Whether it's, I mean, we're being told by the White House, please cover this. So what does that tell you? QAnon started right as I was finishing the book. He started posting. And so that the lunch was to recruit me to get me interested in um, following this, that this was a real phenomenon, that this was the first time this level of insurance had been, this level of intelligence had been um, shared with the public and that the format was, you know, on the 8chan was exactly kind of the deep, um, you know, way to share it with the Anons that had been chosen by Trump as the way this message was going to get out. And um, they wanted me to get involved in it. And that's when I did the first decodes. I, well, As soon as I started looking at them and realizing what Q was saying, and I did a couple of decodes, you know, then I understood what was going on. And so by Christmas time, uh, I was then willing to commit to do it. And that's when I told that the people who asked me, that I said, yes, I'll do it. So that's that chronology. So there's a real war going on in the elite right now. Don't think Trump just did this on his own. He was recruited by patriots and U.S. intelligence agencies for a fact. Trump was recruited by the U.S. Army. That's a big secret, but you deserve to know what the Democrats already know. You deserve to understand what's really going on. There's a civil war in America right now. One group wanted to totally sell us up the communist Chinese. That's coming up in the next segment. The other group isn't out to rape America completely. So you're kind of stuck between that. Now, this excitement that I told you even Sean Hannity was playing into, where it seemed like Sean Hannity was also believing that Hillary Clinton was about to be indicted. QAnon also posted an excitement, another posting, saying, Why wasn't HRC prosecuted for the emails? Put simply, Obama ultimately okayed by using the non-government email addy to communicate with Clinton. Obama also had an alias along with each of his cabinet members. Therefore, indicting HRC would lead to indicting Obama and his cabinet, which could never happen. Remember? He lied about knowing, but that ultimately came out in the dump. Poof. This is when things really heated up for QAnon. So like on November 1st, almost like the year, I mean, really the year anniversary, the evening of October 31st, technically. So almost the year anniversary of Steve Pachenik dropping that video that made 3 million views on the front page of Drudge. That was essentially the QAnon narrative a year earlier. Q makes one of his biggest and first, mind you, original posts that wasn't just a reply to someone's other post and that generated Q 
And that really propelled Q into being a very credible and potentially a real truth teller who is actually inside the Trump administration. That posting was called Breadcrumbs, Q Clearance Patriot. That was the title of the thread. Reactions to the thread on 4chan, if you actually go to the posting, Breadcrumbs, Q Clearance Patriot Anonymous, you can find 4chan users responding to it in awe, saying things like, fucking five-star bump, because even if LARP, my almonds are activated. Another 4chan user says, whoa, what the fuck, whoa. Another 4chan user says, I don't know, but this shit is crazy. Now, one thing you do on 4chan is you can actually post as the same account, and you have to use a what is called a trip code to be able to post using the same account. So people can track the same person using the same account, even though the accounts are all anonymous. So by this point, people had looked back at the earlier postings of this people and thought, oh, this is that same person, that anon info dump person who was claiming to be an insider before. Now, the posting that Q made has a picture of George Washington crossing the river, and it says, Skiff, military intelligence. What is state secrets and how upheld in the SC? What must be completed to engage MI over other three-letter agencies? What must occur to allow for civilian trials? Why is this relevant? What was Flynn's background? Why is this relevant? Why did Adam R. meet Trump privately without auth? Does POTUS know where the bodies are buried? Does POTUS have the goods on most bad actors? Was Trump asked to run for president? Why? By who? So, okay, those three lines are very important. Was Trump asked to run for president? Why? By who? One year after the one-year anniversary of that Steve Pachenik video, QAnon is echoing the exact same narrative that Steve Pachenik said, that Trump was recruited to run for president by a group of insider, high-level patriots who were trying to take down the deep state. QAnon's posting continues by saying, Was HRC next in line? Was the election supposed to be rigged? Did good people prevent the rigging? Why did POTUS form a panel to investigate? Has POTUS ever made a statement that did not become proven as true fact? What is POTUS in control of? What is the one organization left that isn't corrupt? Why does the military play such a vital role? Why is POTUS surrounded by highly respected generals? Who guards former presidents? Why is that relevant? Who guards HRC? Why is Antifa allowed to operate? Why hasn't the MB been classified as a terrorist org? Muslim Brotherhood? Oh, I guess you're talking about Muslim Brotherhood. Okay. What happens if Soros-funded operations get violent and engage in domestic terrorism? What happens if mayors, police comms, chiefs do not enforce the law? What authority does POTUS have specifically over the Marines? Why is this important? What is Mueller's background? Military? Was Trump asked to run for president with assurances made to prevent tampering? How is POTUS always five steps ahead? Who is helping POTUS? That's the end of uh, this really, really big QAnon post that really kind of created a big explosion online and really reinforced this narrative. Now, what's interesting there is if you read between some of the lines there, 
it makes sense why a lot of these QAnon hardcore MAGA cult people think that the BLM movement and that, you know, all this looting happening is some kind of deep state George Soros plot to let Antifa take over the country, like as a way to try to unseat Trump. I mean, because this is what QAnon was telling them in 2017. So even after this, a lot of people on 4chan were still like, no, this is, this seems like bullshit. But even those people who thought that it seemed like bullshit were still like, seems like a total LARP, but there's something in here that does seem interesting. So here's what a guy says. He's like, that LARPer guy, Info Dump Anon, talking up the Mueller connection and November 4th leaves me with a question. What if it's a setup? What if Trump was picked by military intelligence community to run as part of a counter coup against the Soros influence? What if they, military, is planning a weekend martial law counter coup in response to Antifa? What if it's bait? So there's some people already early on thinking, well, wait a second. Is QAnon really saying that like the national that the, the president's gonna use the National Guard to try to stop in some kind of Soros Antifa thing? What if that in and of itself is a setup? So people are already starting to think meta about it in 4chan because these conspiracy people are like, you know, this is sort of almost kind of like encouraging martial law. And that's something that like, you know, we've been sort of like trained. We've cut our teeth on like Alex Jones and a lot of these people who've warned us for years about martial law. So it was already starting to raise some red flags for people, yet QAnon still gained in popularity. It still climbed in popularity. Now, even still, you're may maybe wondering, how did people believe that this is some kind of real thing? That it's something that's actually close to Trump and that this is some kind of high-level intelligence insider who's close to Trump? What made them believe that? After everything I've told you, it still doesn't seem to make sense. And even after this bizarre, really bizarre posting, you're, not gonna, you're still not going to believe it. And you're still not going to understand why all these 4chaners and why all these people started to believe it. QAnon on November 4th posted, Q Clarence Patriot, my fellow Americans, over the course of the next several days, you will undoubtedly realize that we are taking back our great country, the land of the free, from the evil tyrants that wish to do us harm and destroy the last remaining refuge of shining light. On POTUS's order, we have initiated certain fail-safes that shall safeguard the public from the primary fallout which is slated to occur 11-3, upon the arrest announcement of Mr. Podesta, actionable 11-4, confirmation to the public of what is occurring will then be revealed and will not be openly accepted. Public riots are being organized in serious numbers in an effort to prevent the arrest and capture of more senior public officials. On POTUS's order, a state of temporary military control will be actioned and special ops carried out. False leaks have already been made to retain several within the confines of the United States to prevent extradition and special operator necessity. Rest assured, the safety and well-being of every man, woman, and child of this country is being exhausted in full. However, the atmosphere within the country will undoubtedly be divided as so many have fallen for the corrupt and evil narrative that has long been broadcast. We will be initiating emergency broadcast system during this time in an effort to provide a direct message avoiding the fake news to all citizens. Organizations and or people that wish to do us harm during this time will be met 
with swift fury. Certain laws have been pre-lifted to provide our great military the necessary authority to handle and conduct these operations at home and abroad. POTUS will be well insulated, protected on Air Force One and abroad while these operations are conducted. Due to the nature of the entrenchment, it is time to take back our country and make America great again. Let us salute and pray for the brave men and women in uniform who will undertake this assignment to bring forth peace, unity, and return power to the people. It is our hope that this message reaches enough people to make a meaningful impact. We cannot yet telegraph this message through normal methods for reasons I'm sure everyone here can understand. Follow the questions from the previous threads and remain calm. The primary targets are within D.C. and remain at the top on both sides. The spillover in the streets will be quickly shut down. Look for more false flags. Stay alert. Be vigilant. And above all, please pray. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Love is patient. Love is kind. God bless my fellow Americans. 4.10.20 So I just wanted to take a pause for a second and examine what we can sort of glean from that posting. Like, what are the goals of whoever is posting under this account? Just from this posting. Who is it trying to appeal to? I mean, first of all, if we want to take it seriously, um, it's a rather scary proposition. I think that you could almost look at it as, if this is some kind of prank or a LARP, at this moment moving forward, so after this posting, for the unforeseeable future, the Alex Jones InfoWars world and the conspiracy movement at large, because a lot of the conspiracy movement is sort of steered by Alex Jones. He has a large amount of control over it still. He did kind of up until this point. The reason why this is such a pivotal moment is because it got Alex Jones and a lot of these other conspiracy people to be like, yes, QAnon is right. We do need to do these mass arrests. We do need martial law, which is a complete 180 from like Alex Jones's entire career and what he had been, you know, kind of putting into the minds of the American people for really decades that Alex Jones was one of the biggest people warning about the idea of martial law and a lot of militia and patriot movement people in the country were very afraid of that proposition as well. But it wasn't until QAnon and QAnon suggestions of needing martial law that these people actually started to subscribe to the idea that maybe the left was more dangerous than the military and martial law. And that was a huge pivotal thing, I think, in the patriot movement. So I'm going to put my conspiracy hat on for a second and imagine what if U.S. intelligence agencies or, you know, just the federal government in general believed that Alex Jones and the patriot movement would pose some kind of threat at a certain point in time? You know, Waco, Ruby Ridge, there's a lot of crossover there with the Alex Jones community. And Alex Jones is now like a household name. He's more, he's bigger than ever, even though he's been deplatformed. So what if intelligence agencies wanted to figure out a way to 
control Alex Jones. And, you know, as, as you've already heard from a lot of these clips, if Alex Jones is saying, if any of the things that I've played for you of Alex Jones saying are truthful at all, he seems to be led by the nose by all these people leaking him things that claim they're in the intelligence community or inside the Pentagon or government. Whether they're real sources or not, I'm kind of willing to believe that some of these people Alex Jones are talking about are real. Now, whether they're feeding him real information, that's the whole point I'm trying to make. Seems like people have been trying to steer and control Alex Jones. A lot of people think, you know, thought for years that Alex Jones the whole time has been some kind of controlled opposition asset, like people like Bill Cooper. What I'm suggesting, though, is something different with this, is that what if just Alex Jones' audience got too big and the feds or whatever felt like they couldn't control Alex Jones and even Trump couldn't control Alex Jones in a similar way to Hitler not being able to control the brown shirts. I'm not trying to make a lazy Trump equals Hitler comparison. I'm just saying that if you have this loyal army ready to basically pick up arms for you to fight your opponents, because that's really, I mean, Alex Jones has said things like he's willing to die for Trump. He's ready to die for Trump. If you already have that, what you still don't have is full control over Alex Jones and that gigantic audience of people. You still don't have full control over him. He's a loose cannon. I mean, he is mentally unhinged. He's clearly mentally unstable. He's not going to be a consistent player to be able to always jump when you need him to jump and do exactly what you want. So my conspiracy theory hat here is suggesting that what if this Q thing was someone, you know, some kind of intelligence agency psyop trying to get the whole Patriot movement and Alex Jones as a test to see if they would go along with martial law or acquiescing to like whatever the Trump administration wanted to do to, to up the stakes and be like, you know, we're going to do martial law to stop the left and to see if Alex Jones will go along with it because then his whole audience will go along with it too. And here's the crazy part. They all did. Alex Jones and his audience 100% encouraged this kind of mindset. The same people that were in love with a movie that Alex Jones put out in the mid-2000s called Martial Law, he put out three films about the police state in Martial Law, warning about it. The same people had now flipped into being pro-Martial Law based on these escalating Q posts and this is even before Q had really proven anything to these people. Well, when I say proven, that's up for debate because what I'm about to tell you is not necessarily really even proof of anything at all. It's just kind of a fascinating thing that really um, solidified the idea of this being real for most of these people who are already sort of on the fence, like 4chaners and stuff. I didn't fully finish my thought there. What I wanted to say is, who is this post appealing to? This specific post, I think we can glean a lot of insights from in terms of the branding, the spin. If you look at this almost from the perspective of if a political strategist, for example, was behind this, call it a LARP, call it whatever you want. What, would their, what is their strategy? What market are they trying to hit? What audience are they trying to hit? It seems like they're trying to go beyond regular 4chaners. So they're trying to hit the audience of the bipartisan, you know, left versus right paradigm. They're trying to make it seem like they're, they transcend partisanship because they're saying this isn't just a Republican versus Democrat thing. 
even though they're saying that the elites are satanic, which really only evangelical Christians talk that way. So on one hand, you're already alienating a large part of the audience, perhaps, but you're gaining an audience that's actually really, has been really, really useful to the right in the past. Now, evangelical Christians have definitely been like folded into the Trump administration in a weird and really awkward and and strange way that really hadn't existed in the past. Republicans already had always used evangelicals as a big voting block and a force for their agenda, but always kept them at arm's length. Uh, The Trump administration has done something different. They've sort of brought them into the fold and acted like they really want them sort of, you know, at higher levels of government and stuff, which seems like a superficiality, but it seems like a deliberate strategy. Similarly, this QAnon posting also seems like a deliberate strategy to reach like evangelical boomer people, Christians. I mean, all the God stuff, all the, you know, actual Bible quotes and things like that, you know, that would alienate a lot of 4chaners. A lot of these 4chaners are like hateful crazy people who are not even remotely Christian at all. They just like are like MAGA trolls like through and through. So that's interesting as well. It's trying to appeal to the patriot movement. It's using a lot of terminology like the deep state, like false flags, trying to appeal to people who are into Alex Jones's audience, as I already said. So from a political strategist point of view, this is hitting on a lot of interesting and specific things. And another goal of it could be to capture an audience of evangelical people who are prone to believing in satanic panic, hysterical type thinking. Because if you can get people like that, if you can get evangelicals not just to think that people on the left are perverts or to hate gay people, if you get a lot of evangelicals to believe there's like a satanic conspiracy of like Democrat pedophiles, that's a really interesting form of dog whistling that sort of goes under the radar And Trump's administration, the Republicans could sort of completely absolve themselves of any responsibility or attachment to this because it's just something that's just going under the radar on 4chan. They have nothing to do with this, even though a ton of evangelical boomers know all about Q. And even if they don't know what Q is, you find right now a MAGA hardcore Trump supporter who goes online in their mid-50s and their 60s. Um, even some people in their 70s. And a lot of them will tell you things that sound like QAnon or Pizzagate. You know, even if they're not doing deep dives and and hobbyists, they'll still echo narratives. These things are really catching fire. They're really viral right now. Okay, so back to our our QAnon analysis overall. Just want to take a detour and examine the psychology or the goals or the strategy behind this particular post because it was very pivotal to get the Patriot movement and Alex Jones from this moment forward to subscribe to the idea of martial law, it would be a comedy prank by a LARPer and be really silly if it actually wasn't so pivotal and such a big deal for that to happen. I said earlier in this podcast that Roger Stone getting Alex Jones's audience to believe that Trump was a secret 9-11 truther was a big deal. This is way bigger to get Alex Jones's audience. Tens of millions of people around the country to subscribe to a Trump emergency powers martial law. At this point, a lot of people started really buying into this. 
that's what doesn't fully make sense to me, why they bought into it. It started to exponentially grow at this point that this was going to be a serious thing. People got extremely excited that Trump was about to round up all these enemies, so apparent enemies. doesn't explain why martial law is necessary to stop this, these riots that are going to happen to prevent these people from being arrested. As if anybody even gives a fuck about John Podesta being arrested. Can you imagine if riots erupted after John Podesta got arrested? If that happened, I'd be the first person to say they were staged. I'd be like, yeah, they, I, I, how these are fake. So this idea that someone that the QAnon is basically saying that it's like a Soros plot, that the army is going to have to be called in once they start arresting Podesta. It's so cartoonish on so many levels. It doesn't. It just does not hold up to basic logic. Because even if Podesta was arrested, and even if there were some riots, the idea that the riots would be like nationwide or spread, or that the national guard would need to be called in, it makes absolutely no sense. First of all, the riots would be fake. They'd be obviously fake to begin with. If Soros was doing riots, try to um, disrupt society because Podesta got arrested, so. Why would regular people or like how many actors do these people have? So it's basically implying that there's so many of these bought and paid for Soros Antifa people that they could basically just create and destabilize the country with like riots in all these major cities instantly. That's the premise. But it's really kind of scary to think that already in 2017, they were trying to basically normalize this idea that Trump was going to do martial law for good reasons and, and we're supposed to be able to trust this. That's really kind of scary and frightening that so many people in the conspiracy movement in 2017 were already convinced of this idea that martial law was okay if Trump did it because it was signifying that the storm was here. It was actually code cover for something else. They're all nodding. We're going to kill the conservatives and the Christians. We're going to kill them. And, th and these are marches with hundreds of thousands of people nodding their head. We're going to kill you. Now, they're obviously not going to kill anybody. As far as I'm concerned, the safest thing to do would just to be have Trump just go ahead and have the army go ahead and arrest these people. That, that's all. We're in a red, red alert right now. We need to have the army just arrest these people. And I guarantee you, George Washington, if stuff like this was going on, would go arrest the people that were doing it. So at this point, keep in mind that even though this conspiracy theory was growing rapidly on the internet, that this person, Q, who was posting on 4chan was somehow real, 4chan itself and 8chan are like total cesspools of depravity, rape jokes, anti-Semitism, actual Nazism, you know, just vile humor, um, Everything's a joke. Nothing's taken seriously. So in general, on 4chan, even though this was definitely getting a lot of momentum just on 4chan, um, overall, the, the climate on the forum was that it just seemed like a fun thing to follow. A lot of people didn't necessarily believe it. They thought it was a LARP, but went along with it anyways because it was just something to really sink your teeth into. It was like fun. Um it captured a lot of that momentum from Pizzagate. It sort of probably reminded a lot of people of that fun, you know, Easter egg hunt, uh, breadcrumb search during Pizzagate. So it was this burst of energy, you know, that made conspiracy world sort of explode again, just like Pizzagate. 
And, you know, I mean, as weird and as cryptic and as stupid as those Q posts I've actually read to you already are, they're somewhat captivating. Um, they're sort of, you know, I wouldn't say they're good storytelling because they're just like asking all these questions and like randomly sh trying to shift your attention to all these different places. But there's something about it that feels like a little hard worked on. It's not just, it's if it is a LARP, it's not a lazy LARP. It's someone who's actually trying really hard. And at this point, the poster cue, and let me stop myself there for a second. I need to stop referring to this person as an individual. I need to stop saying this purser. I need to stop saying this poster or this person and just refer to it as an account. So I might make that mistake later in the podcast, but I'm going to try really hard because if you think about the posts I've already read to you from Q, even just these early posts, uh, they seem like they're already written by different people. That last one I read you seems like it's actually was someone who spent a lot of time writing that versus the previous ones, which are much more cryptic and just a series of random questions. Very, very different quality of writing, I think, between them. But the Q account started using rhetoric like the storm is coming and the calm before the storm. And this led some Q researchers who were a follower and a believer in Q to find that old Trump video clip where he's with all the military generals in the room at the press conference. They're all taking photographs of him. Trump, while he's smiling, being photographed next to all these military generals, blurts out, this is the calm before the storm. This was like coming right off of the heels of him making some threats to either North Korea or Iran on Twitter. I can't remember which. And since he had just made those threats and said that this is the calm before the storm, some reporters immediately asked him, Mr. President, what do you mean by the storm? What, what kind of storm is coming? And he just looked at them and he said, you'll see, and smirked. This video clip was sort of confirmation to a lot of people that Q was, is actually someone close to Trump and that he's referring to the storm that was coming and that Trump has been like 10 steps ahead. It's not just 3D chess, it's like 10D chess. That he's recruited these military generals he knew a storm was coming. He said, you'll see, because he knew it's coming, all these arrests of these deep state people. And uh, and I guess that really uh, sort of invigorated them too, is finding this old video clip of Trump. But you may also be asking, but this is still doesn't seem like enough information or proof for anybody to take this seriously. Like, why would, it still doesn't make sense to me why anybody's taking this seriously. And you'd be right to ask that question. It doesn't make any sense to me if this is all I knew about it. When it starts to actually make sense to me is when it gets a little bizarre. And bizarre enough where it makes me actually believe things are happening that a lot of other people who are researching Q from afar who aren't believers of it will disagree with me on. Even though I do not believe in the QAnon narrative, I do believe that some of the things I'm about to tell you are strange and I believe they deserve further scrutiny from people who are, you know, heavy Q researchers, but don't subscribe to it. I think a lot of them have written these things off as, as just silly things that have convinced Q's followers that mean nothing. I would actually disagree and say that these might actually imply that whatever Q is, whoever it is posting these things, is actually someone close to Donald Trump. 
that actually makes it scarier. That's more scary than it just being some random LARPer pranksters on the internet pushing this. Because as I just read to you, Q is encouraging martial law. So if there's someone that's close to the president or that's associated with the Trump campaign or the presidency encouraging martial law, that's really kind of scary and dangerous. Now, the first so-called proof that QAnon was who he says he was, was he posted a photograph claiming to be from inside Air Force One with Trump going to meet with um, North Korean leaders. That's what he claimed. He posted a photograph that a lot of people were instantly convinced and they did their own Google sleuthing and found GPS satellite coordinates, Google map images to confirm what they thought was a plane flying over North Korea showing proof that whoever Q was was inside Air Force One with Trump going to North Korea. Now, as far as I know, no one's actually tried to analyze this or debunk it. I wasn't convinced by it. I'm still not convinced by it. But a lot of the people on 4chan and who follow this were instantly convinced that this was the proof they were waiting for and that it had finally come. And this is a really big moment too. Trump's you know, North Korean um, detente attempts, you know, the optics of that were huge. It was Trump was like one of his, the biggest things he probably cared about. And here was Q showing what appeared to be inside access to this event. It was, it made all these people feel like they were being given a special inside invitation inside the process on some weird level. And I think that that's when things really got solidified in terms of this is real. We got to get behind this. This is the real deal. They're sending us secret messages. The Trump administration is sending us secret messages through Q and wants us to trust the plan. The second so-called proof was an alleged photograph taken inside the Oval Office that Q posted. And then it followed by a photograph of a pen that apparently is a presidential pen that you can only get inside the Oval Office or some stupid shit like that. Neither of these things convinced me. They didn't mean anything to me. They seemed really cryptic and weird. Although, it should be noted that all three of these photographs were clever enough where they were original photographs. They weren't able to be looked up on Google Image Reverse Lookup. So whoever posted them created three photographs that looked interesting enough to sort of reinforce this idea that Q was around the president, inside the White House, inside the Oval Office. This is when Q's posts actually started to take a strange turn. So the proofs in and of themselves seemed to originally serve the purpose of Q trying to get doubters to, to believe that it was real. Eventually, the proofs-style postings with like these weird cryptic photographs, coordinates, numbers actually started to become the norm. And a lot of Q's posts in the future started to just become more vague ramblings with less coherency, even including specific strings of numbers, dates, um, a lot of events that just happened in the news that seemed completely disconnected from each other, like that train crash I was telling you about earlier. And also promises of things that were about to happen in the news, like the very first QAnon post ever, which said that Hillary Clinton's indictment and arrest was imminent. Even though a lot of these things didn't materialize, promises not 
materializing that Q is making, it didn't matter. Q is still able to get people to look at and look for things to happen in the news because he was predicting things. Watch out for the bo- a boom in September. There's going to be a big boom, he would say. And also one big component to this is if I haven't reinforced this enough yet, is that Q would always sort of explain how Trump is always responsible for making these disparate events happen, that they were actually part of a larger plan, things that seemed completely disconnected, like this train crash, that Trump made it happen, and that it had a specific and special significance for Trump's agenda. Trust the plan. Everything was going to happen according to this plan. We just need to trust it because Trump knows what he's doing and he is in control. He has these patriots on his side. In fact, I am one of these patriots. I am telling you as an emissary of this group of patriots, hi, trust the plan. Up until this point, so like mid-2017, you know, late 2017, most Q followers or people who are looking really deeply into this were very online people. Younger people, internet forum people, 4chan people, right-wing racists, alt-right people, trolls. So at first, the general Q narrative and its followers, even though the Q narrative was making these crazy promises and the followers were still believing in it even after these promises didn't materialize, the followers actually seemed way more grounded than what, how they have become now. If you find an average QAnon supporter now, They'll say things that you would not believe. They'll say they'll believe that JFK Jr. died in a plane crash is secretly Q. And he's about to announce that he's been um, he faked his own death and he's been alive the whole time and he's going to take down the deep state elite. Let me play you a clip actually from the Jim Jeffries show where he invited on three or four different Q supporters to all explain what Q and on was to him. And uh, you'll get a sampling here of This is only from about six or seven months ago that he did this segment. This is how crazy QAnon supporters are now. Let me play this clip. So I dove deep into the rabbit hole to talk to four prominent QAnon researchers, including one who has 140,000 YouTube subscribers and millions of views. Q's a guy that's on the internet. Not a guy. Not a guy. It's a group. The people that have the full scope of the picture is less than 10. We shouldn't be caught up on who is Q. It's more of what is it. He says that because um, what's about to be revealed is that QAnon is actually JFK Jr. So JFK Jr. is alive, and he brought the plan to Donald uh, pre-1999. Is Q more powerful than Trump? Uh, Trump is a part of the Q team, so he's so he's just part of the team. Yeah, he's actually posted uh, at least once or twice, uh, excuse, at least twice, uh, and he's signed we don't it. Know that. Well, we do know that because know that. he's when he when it's signed as four ten twenty, that's Donald J. Trump. Um, you, but you got to understand numerology to know that. There was a tweet where everything in the tweet is just regular uh, verbiage, regular grammar, but he has the word roaring, the word great, and the word reviews all in caps. You look up the numerology behind those words, and it comes out to the number 17. What does the number 17 mean? Q. That just means Q. It's the, it's the 17th letter of the al- alphabet. Well, this is a lot more simple than I thought it would be. Donald Trump is one of the most intelligent men probably in our lifetime, like top five, believe it or not. Originally, though, QAnon supporters weren't this crazy. They weren't this crazy. They were merely believing that QAnon was an emissary of the anti-deep state patriots inside the U.S. government, you know, taking down these elite pedophiles like the Clintons and the deep state. But 
eventually the QAnon supporters at large started, and the narrative started to push things that just made absolutely no sense whatsoever. They started to believe things that just totally relatively mundane incidents in the news, symbolism on TV shows were clues or breadcrumbs that Q was telling them something. It went from a typical conspiracy theory thing that included satanic panic, pedophilia, deep state governments, conspiracies into what I would say is almost more of a schizophrenic mindset that resembles what actual schizophrenic people, when they have incidents, psychotic incidents, where they have delusions, where they believe they are finding clues and symbols in all the media and the things that they take in, the senses that they take in, and that everything means something. This is what Q supporters of today are like. They resemble something like a cult that is constantly in search of some kind of meaning for something that is not really there. And one other fascinating aspect of QAnon is that QAnon has things sort of divided into good and bad people. It's a very Christian, sort of satanic, panicky. There's these good people in the world and there's these evil people in the world. The people that QAnon seems to think are the most evil are the Podesta brothers, John and Tony Podesta, Bill Maher, which is an interesting one that QAnon is so fixated on Bill Maher. QAnon believes that Bill Maher is part of some kind of satanic cult where they wear red shoes. George Soros is also considered a very evil person in this. Diane Feinstein, Hillary Clinton. People that QAnon thinks are patriots and that are actually like really important players in this. QAnon really likes this random CBS news reporter named Catherine Herridge. And they're constantly telling people to go look at her work, which is kind of a peculiar thing. If you want to try to figure out who Q is, try to find someone who's close to Trump who also loves this Catherine Herridge reporter, because I don't know why QAnon loves her so much, but he's promoted her almost more than anybody else. QAnon really thinks that Matthew Whitaker, serving as the acting United States attorney, is one of the biggest patriots. He thinks that accused child rapist Alan Dershowitz, who defended Jeffrey Epstein, is one of the biggest patriots. John Ratcliffe is also, according to QAnon, a really big patriot that's really important. Eric Prince is a hugely important patriot. Quite a coinkydink that Eric Prince, who helped plant Pizzagate seeds for Trump's campaign in a deliberate, coordinated fashion, is considered one of the top patriots by Q. Brett Kavanaugh is also a patriot. John Durham is a patriot. Gina Haspel, uh, the one who got off sexually on torture, current CIA director, is a patriot. Ted Cruz is a patriot. Rudy Giuliani, who has suspicious ties to the 9-11 attacks and who suspiciously has an anthrax cleanup company that made millions of dollars off the anthrax attacks, is a patriot. Iran-Contra cover-upper William Barr, whose father knew Jeffrey Epstein, is a patriot. Sean Hannity is a patriot. I mean, maybe, and I think the concept of patriot is fucking stupid in the first place. I'm like an anti-nationalist. But the only person on this list that I would agree with that Q is called the patriot, maybe, in that generic paradigm of what a patriot means, is maybe Bill Binney. Apparently, Q likes Bill Binney. And of course, Q really likes Devin Nunes, Michael Flynn, Jared Kushner, which is interesting, huge Zionist, and Mike Pompeo. 
And of course, last but not least, Donald Trump is the patriot that Q's group has recruited to fight the deep state. And no, I don't believe Donald Trump was recruited to fight the deep state. I'm being sarcastic. I hope you can detect my sarcasm throughout this podcast. If you can't, I apologize, but I am often being sarcastic. So a lot of this Q stuff, you know, started to go more widespread over time, not just to like from internet 4chan users, but to actually like boomers, to regular MAGA voters, Trump voters from like age 45 to 65. A lot of those people started to get really into QAnon to the point where now most of the representatives of like the QAnon research field and most of these QAnon personalities who push QAnon are boomers. And there's a lot of satanic stuff that sort of dominates it now to the point now where it's common that most QAnon supporters will believe that these deep state pedophiles actually sacrifice children to suck adrenochrome out of their brains. It's not just for sex. It's to actually get high off of like a drug. Newborn babies, there's something in their blood that apparently gives them some euphoric experience. It's called that- adrenochrome. It acts as a drug, essentially. Where do they get the babies from? Haiti. <laughs> a lot of these babies are bred specifically for that purpose. Let me play you some more examples of other QAnon supporters who were interviewed by Vice after a very peculiar Trump rally, which had never happened before, but Trump's rally, the rally floor, got flooded by Q supporters who were all holding up QAnon signs in mass. Now, what's notable about this is that it implies that the Secret Service allowed that to happen because Secret Service can take away your signs. Um, They don't let people wear certain political insignia. It almost seemed like it was allowed to happen, and it sort of raised the question, does Trump know what QAnon is, and are his people egging it on? So here, I'll play you a clip of these people being interviewed after the Trump rally, who are Q supporters, and what they believe. Q fans were pretty excited last night because they thought that Trump gave a tacit acknowledgement to their movement. They saw the president wave at a family holding a Q sign, and they said that that said that the president was legitimizing them. Their message boards lit up. That family was the Butos from just down the road in Ocala. I spoke to them today about their newfound internet fame. I was driving home and he jumped on his iPad. <laughs> yes, I always go to the Great Awakening on Reddit. That's like my site for the Q. And somebody said uh, to the guy with the Q cutout, Q's looking for you. <laughs> Is, I mean, is this a fun thing to know about, a fun thing to be a part yes. of? Be- it's fun because things get revealed. It's fun because we know before it's going to happen a lot of times. So yes. think of it. When things are happening, we got a smirk on our face and go, Q told us. Um, for instance, Q has told us at 4 a.m., media gets their talking points at 4 a.m. And that's how they start. We can all admit that pretty much everybody knows the government is corrupt. Q, to me, is just showing that it's a lot more corrupt than we thought. Like, we're not talking just Obama, because we voted for Obama. Like, this stuff's been, it's been in the works. I guess my question is why, I mean, Trump is the president, and, 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 and the Republicans run the entire government. So why does he need Q? Why can't he just tell well, the FBI to go Because then okay. we would go into civil war. Everybody okay. would be all, all right. in now, hysterics. 
But this rally sort of opened the door for me of thinking, well, hold on a second. This isn't just a bunch of crazy Trump supporters got into this conspiracy and all decided to come to his rally in mass. This seems like the Trump administration is giving some kind of tacit permission or endorsement to QAnon and wants them to appear in all these photographs at the Trump rallies because the Secret Service could kick those people's asses out at any time or take away their signs. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was actually asked by a reporter if the president endorses this or if anybody in the Trump administration endorses it. Here was her answer. First of all, the president encouraged the support of people who showed up last night in these QAnon and Blacks for Trump fringe groups. Uh, The president condemns and denounces any group that would uh, incite violence against another individual. One of the other really strange things for me that actually really raised the question for me that Trump might actually know exactly what QAnon is and really is actually encouraging it was this so-called QAnon proof where someone replying to one of QAnon's threads asks Q on January 29th, 2018, maybe Q can work the phrase tip-top into the so-to as a shout-out to the board. So he's specifically asking them to, to work it into the State of the Union address. Obviously, that didn't happen. But three months later, Q comes into the same thread and says, It was requested. Did you listen today? Q posted this on April 2nd, 2018. Up until this point, one of Q's most popular cryptic phrases was follow the white rabbit, which comes from Alice in Wonderland. So on Easter Sunday, Trump did an address standing next to a guy in a giant white rabbit Easter bunny costume. And Trump goes on a bizarre rant about how he loves the White House. Keep this incredible house or building or whatever you want to call it, because there really is no name for it. It is special. And we keep it in tip-top shape. We call it sometimes tippy-top shape. And it's a great, great place. It could have just been one of his aides telling Trump, hey, Trump, there's this really popular thing online called QAnon where we really want it to proliferate online. It's like really helpful for us. Would you say the word tippy-top in a speech because that'll prove to a lot of people that this is, this is real. And we'd like that to happen. That's possible. I don't fucking know. Maybe his son took him aside and said, Dad, it'd be really hilarious if you said tippy top so that everyone thinks QAnon is real tomorrow. Maybe they already talk about QAnon and joke around about it. What it shows me is that Trump on some level was dog whistling to QAnon knowingly. To me, that is too big of a coincidence for Trump to say that the White House is tippy-top. That's just a little bit too weird for me. But maybe this is also me just falling for a LARP completely. I mean, he did say it three months after. I get, you know, Trump says so much weird shit, but I still can't get out of my head. I do think it's rather strange. And the fact that this happened, you know, around the same time as this rally of his, with all these Q people on the main floor, it it continued to raise a lot of questions in my mind. This is where we're going to end part one of our QAnon two-part episode. 
You can catch part two of this episode by becoming a Patreon subscriber of Media Roots Radio for as little as $5 a month by going to patreon.com slash Radio. On part two of our QAnon episode, we're going to go into all the bizarre crimes and arrests that were triggered by QAnon posts, all the police and military who have donned QAnon symbols and posted pro-QAnon memes on social media. And I'm just going to also answer user questions sent in before the recording of this podcast, all about what you guys wanted to know about QAnon. And I'm also going to give a final recap about what I think QAnon is, who I think is behind it, and where I think it's going to go now. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Take care.